the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Tuesday, Wednesday, middle of January. NFL show today. I'm going to break down the NFC playoff teams, storylines, past, present, and future, as I promised in the last show when I broke down the AFC teams. A roundtable discussion on Aaron Rodgers, who is once again putting us through the ringer. All the financials, all the possibilities. Where does Jordan Love fall into this conversation? Where do the Packers fall into this conversation, left or right, up or down? Dan Solman, Scott Allen, and myself break that down. And then I go through the Carlos Correa contract, the one we actually think is going to happen. Okay, not the Giants, not the Mets. The Minnesota Twins are back. And it's a shorter deal, pretty good money still, and there's tons of conditions. So I break all of those numbers down at the back end of this show. Plenty new on SpotTrade.com. I'm in full NFL offseason mode. I've mentioned the positional breakdowns. I'll continue on those. I've also started, and I'm halfway through, the divisional breakdowns. So you can now look at the NFC North and the NFC South, the NFC or the AFC North and the AFC South. Those are live on SpyTrite.com. Full off-season financial primers, uh, potential cap space, notable free agents, extension candidates, bubble roster players uh, for all the teams in each division. And uh, I will finish up the other four divisions by the end of this week. So you'll have quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and divisional breakdowns for the NFL off-season that is now upon us because the regular season is over, the postseason is here, And uh, let's talk about those NFC playoff teams right now. The NFC playoff picture, quite a bit different than the AFC one. If you listened to the last episode, it was about young, talented quarterbacks, teams that kind of push their chips in, and a little bit of adding and subtracting. That is the theme of the NFC playoff picture. Adding and subtracting. The Eagles certainly did some of that this offseason to go all in with Jalen Hurts one way or another. Um, and the big piece of that puzzle was certainly A.J. Brown at the, during the draft. That worked out gangbusters. Everything worked out gangbusters. This was a team that had serious eyes set on an undefeated season. Some injuries towards the end certainly slowed that pace, but they are a well-deserving number one seed and the NFC favorite to win this whole thing, kind of, because the big storyline with the 49ers is a midseason ad, and that's Christian McCaffrey. And the bigger storyline, which was the storyline coming into the season, it's the past, the present, and still the future storyline for that 49ers franchise, the quarterback. Not entirely sure how they're doing this. They're the only team in football doing this, by the way. But they got to QB3 this year and didn't skip a beat. Every quarterback that plays under this system looks almost identically the same. It's miraculous. It's extremely well coached. It's extremely well thought out. It's obviously built to protect the quarterback, something that every franchise should be figuring out how to do because two things happen in this case. A, you can withstand injury, and B, you can deflate your price point. There's no reason for the 49ers to pay a quarterback $45 million right now because Brock Purdy is winning ballgames, all of his ballgames. So whatever the hell they're doing, I don't know why any other coach or any other organization in the league would be looking anywhere else but that system and trying to rip it off 100%, like we did back in the 80s with the 49ers and the West Coast system. Whatever the hell Kyle Shanahan is doing should be become the copycat of this league because Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, all of, all of the above look absolutely above average in this offense. And it was certainly about withstanding these injuries this year, adding Christian McCaffrey, getting healthier defensively, which they knew they would, and they knew it would work. Obviously, Nick Bosa is a $30 million player and will be soon. That's the offseason storyline on that side of the ball. Uh, Quickly back to the Eagles. Jalen Hurts does become extension eligible. So it was a big year for the organization as a whole. It was a big year for Jalen Hurts financially speaking, the farther they go, the more this is going to work for his favor. Now, they don't have to do it right away. Certainly, he's got a fourth year and then a fifth-year option ahead of him. But all signs point to Jalen Hurts getting paid and then a couple of brand-new defensive contracts come free agency because there are quite a bit of notable free agents on that side of the ball, as we'll detail in our off-season pieces 
um, half of which are already posted online at spytrip.com right now. Number three seed is the Minnesota Vikings. Boy, it's uh, they really fell down to earth a little bit here. This could have been the number one seed. That's how good they looked at times this year, and certainly the Cousins-Jefferson combo was electric and historic from Jefferson's standpoint. There's enough firepower to win ballgames, any ballgame, against any of these teams. And when the defense is right, and certainly the secondary, they were getting some outstanding performances all across this roster. And at the same time, they can lose games by 40. So, you know, buyer beware when you're betting on the NFC this <laughs> this postseason. But they're the three seed. They're going to sit there with the Giants, a team that I think can compete with them right now because I believe those two teams have similar stories. And it might come down to coaching. So who, who do you believe in that regard? The fourth seed is the Bucks. Uh, the offseason storyline was Tom Brady retiring, then not retiring, and then everybody else having to get back in the pool quickly, right? Fournette and everybody else had to quickly resign to try to run this thing back one more time. It didn't work for 10 weeks at all. And that could have been Brady and his mentality. That could have been the new coach. I think it's a lot of all of it. But they righted this ship enough to win this division, get himself a four seed host, the Cowboys. I put this right there with Vikings Giants. This is a total coin flip to me because of the, the the Cowboys falter down the stretch and the Buccaneers ramping up down the stretch. That's an even situation to me. And Brady in the postseason is electric, historic, uh, unbeatable at times. So I'm not going to count them out. The the, the storyline for the Buccaneers going forward, if and when they bow out here, is ugly. <laughs> okay, it's... It's New Orleans Saints ugly in terms of the negative cap space that they're dealing with. Brady walks away from this team or the game or whatever he's going to do here, and he's, he's going to leave over $30 million at dead cap based on the void years and the restructure that, that he did this offseason. So uh, that alone tells you how much trouble they're going to be in just to get themselves back to neutral. And I do think a couple of these parting players are going to have to find new homes. Jamal Dean, Levante David, just to name a few. And what's to come of this this offense? You know, what's to come? Chris Godwin got two, three for 60 this past offseason. Mike Evans will be entering a contract year. The, the offseason storyline going forward for Tampa Bay is what now? Even if they win this Super Bowl, you know? And maybe especially if they win this Super Bowl, how, as unlikely as that might be. But they are in the negatives right now, and I'm not sure they can get themselves out of this one quickly. This may have to be a one to two to three year, you know, purge to financially reset themselves. Dallas is five, as I mentioned. Uh, they did their purge this year, believe it or not. And it kind of looked like that at times. Uh, the problem for me is, and, and what I mean by that is, this was the lowest spending cash team in football, the Dallas Cowboys. They let Amari Cooper go to Cleveland, offloaded his $20 million per year for the next three seasons. Uh, they let these rookies sort of grow into this, this model. You know, not name Zeke, not name Tyron Smith, etc. But... The problem for me is Dak, who, you know, we had to give him the benefit of the doubt coming off that injury that it was going to be some ebb and some flow. It was more more ebb than I think we all wanted, and he is inconsistent now heading into this postseason, if not average. And, you know, there's not six years left on this contract. Let's put it this way. So what remains of Dak Prescott, which is fully guaranteed through 2023 now, and then year to year, it's just a one-year, $34 million contract after this, and the guarantees don't lock until early March 2024. So what we're talking about here is this could be a one-more season for Dak in Dallas, and they could be thinking who that next quarterback might be right now, this offseason. Uh, so it's not just hyperbole, and it's not just the media doing the media, which is talking Dallas and Lakers and Yankees constantly. This one has some real substance to it because regardless of what happens here, you know, and, and I guess the, the anti, anti discussion here is Dak just blows through this postseason. He's just the, the Dak Prescott of two years ago and Dallas rides his coattails. Obviously that would shut all of us up, but if not, if he's still this kind of herky jerky quarterback that we've seen for a month now, you're going to start to hear noise about what, what to do next. Certainly going to see that with Zeke Elliott. I expect that contract to be released this off season. But Tony Pollard's a free agent. CeeDee Lamb needs a contract. Dalton Schultz is a free agent. Um, the offensive line is dwindling. 
they've started to turn it over piece by piece here, but they're going to need to do more of that. And, uh, and the deck window might be slamming shut here quicker than I think we all think. It feels like he just signed this contract yesterday. It's not the case. He's fully guaranteed through next season and then non-guaranteed in 2024. So get ready for more Dallas Cowboys quarterback talk because it's coming. The Giants are the sixth seed. Uh, deservedly so. They battled some injuries, and certainly Barkley's a big focal point of that, but they did this with basically no wide receivers. Their highest paid wide receiver is Kenny Galladay. Uh, he's barely, he barely gets a seat on the bench, let alone an opportunity on the field, and he has been since he walked in the door here. He's had personality problems. He's had injury problems. He's had production problems. So he's off this roster next year, financially speaking, no, no question about it, as is most of this wide receiver arsenal. They let Evan Engram walk, the tight end from, from, you know, they drafted from the last regime. They're slowly looking to replace that. If they don't bring back Barkley, and I expect they will within their own terms, maybe even just the franchise tag, then it's a complete reset of all of these weapons. And that's hard to do, especially if you're giving Daniel, Daniel Jones 25, 30 million a year, which also, I also expect them to do. But you can't do that and, have, and give him no weapons. Even though the offensive line is there, the defensive line is there, the secondary somehow was better than, than expected, you know, there's still half a dozen holes to fill in this roster. If you're going to pay Daniel Jones, don't empty this cupboard before you do it. Make sure that you know and you have a plan via draft, certainly via free agency, and maybe even with a couple of unique trades, something I think Joe Shane has learned quite a bit from Brandon Bean in Buffalo. Use all avenues possible. But don't leave this quarterback hanging. That's my only concern about them going forward. Everything else has been, they're, they're playing on house money. You know, new regime, new coaching staff, everything's overachieved. And Dable probably deserves the coach of the year for it. And uh, we'll see what they can do to layer onto this next year. Because uh, when the Giants and the Cowboys and the Eagles are good, football's just better. So it's good, it's good to see that the NFC is well represented from the East. Seattle snuck into the seventh seed, and I mean snuck, right? An overtime win after a doink that could have, get, could have forfeited their entire chance to get here. And then obviously the uh, Green Bay Packers punting to the Detroit Lions in the, in the Sunday night game and what could be Aaron Rodgers' swan song performance. But Seattle's here. And speaking of house money, holy cow. They've already won this trade. That's a given. They're in the playoffs. Denver's not even close to the playoffs. They're sitting with the five or six seed. I'm going to look quickly online here. Whatever it is, it's better. It's the five, the number five pick in the draft. So they're sitting with the five and then something in the low 20s, most likely after they bow out here in the first round to San Francisco. Um, that's already a win. You know, you stuck into the postseason. You got a top five pick for Russ this year. You've got a quarterback that you can certainly bring back for one more season confidently. Maybe something around those Daniel Jones numbers, right? 25, 30 million a year for two to three years. I don't think anybody would gawk at that too much, even though it's a little bit terrifying that Gina went from zero to 100 like this. But system, right? I have to give this the junior version of the 49ers discussion I just gave you, which is something in Pete Carroll's system, and shame on us for not assuming this, works. You know, and we, we gave Russell Wilson way too much credit for it. That's what we know now. Um, they were selecting the right running backs. They were selecting the right weapons to run that kind of offense. They did this through multiple offensive coordinators. And by the way, they changed offensive coordinators for Russ's sake to try to inject a little bit more pizzazz and razzle-dazzle into it so that Russ could become a different player, especially when he knew he wasn't going to be able to, you know, to be a running quarterback anymore for safety purposes and for age purposes. They really did try to flex this model a little bit to make it work with him. Obviously, it didn't work with him, and maybe they didn't want to deal with it anymore for a lot of reasons. So in comes Gino, who's younger, a little bit sprier, and he's got a ripe arm. And I think they can actually expand this offense now with the likes of DK Metcalf, with the likes of Marquise Goodwin if they bring him back. They've got some speed in this roster, and what else do you need in the NFL right now? And they've got some speed at the running back position with Kenny, Kenneth Walker Jr., who very well could sneak in and win this rookie of the year, take it away from Garrett Wilson, who really uh, got a raw deal down the stretch here with the quarterback play. But um, they're loaded. 
you know, they could use an, uh, an edge rusher or two for sure. And I think that's where that number five pick is going. They could use a defensive tackle to replace Puna Ford, who's expiring. And, you know, Jamal Adams is Jamal Adams, but he's not a versatile safety. He's a one-trick pony safety, regardless of the $18 million a year. So you're going to have to go and, and you know, Quandry Jiggs is going to be, be there for a year or two. But you're going to have to start to get a little bit fancier in the back of that secondary when, you know, you look around at the quarterback play and the dynamic play that you have. And, uh, and oh, by the way, replacing Bobby Wagner is going to be a little bit harder than they thought. So especially with McCaffrey now in the division, but this is a, a great story. There's no question about it. I don't give them a fighting chance against the 49ers because I just trust the 49ers that much right now. And by the way, that's a team I bet the under on San Francisco because they were injury riddled to come in this season. I didn't believe in Trey Lance. The second Trey Lance went down. I, I regretted betting the under. Because I knew that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to eke out a couple of wins that they didn't deserve. That's just how the system is built. And now we know it for sure. What we thought might be an anomaly last season is not anymore. Now it's a real thing. And now it's something they can bet on and we can all bet on, which is they can just hold the fort down. You know, everybody's got a breaking point, but theirs is just lower than everybody else's. So uh, that's a 2-7 matchup. I wouldn't put a single dollar on Seattle, but... Uh, still a quite a story. Really, most of these NFL teams carry quite a story with them from the Jalen Hurts situation in Philly, obviously to the 49ers, one I just gave you, to Tampa Bay going from, you know, the bottom of the barrel to the four seed, and obviously Seattle sneaking in. So there's your NFC roundup. I am going much, much more in depth with these storylines, with this cap information, with this financial information in our off-season divisional breakdowns. So I'm giving you two versions of this right now. I'm giving you positional breakdowns where I'm just going every single franchise and what the quarterback looks like and every single franchise and the running back and every single franchise and the wide receiver. That one's coming at the end of this week. I've also given you NFC North, NFC South division by division breakdowns of all four teams in each division, what it looks like financially next year, notable free agents, some extension candidates, some bubble candidates, some trade thoughts in there if I have them. Uh, Just a complete off-season primer, really. Uh, for what we know right now, for every team. And I'm halfway there. I'll get you the, ha- I'll get the rest of the half, uh, the other half here, the East and the West, probably by the time you've read this. So look for that on spotrack.com. I've got it article by article by division. And then, like I said, I'll continue down those positional paths. I'm going to give you a, a, as much content as possible about this NFL offseason because um, I eat it up. I know you guys all eat it up. I know it's kind of the perfect thing to sit down to with a cup of coffee or, or your lunch in the midday because... This one goes quick. You know, some of these sports like baseball, there's still a month left before spring training, right? And most of us have already tapped out of the offseason in baseball. With football, the Super Bowl's in less than a month. Franchise tags are days after that. We're going to start hearing trade rumors immediately, right? Lamar, whatever it's going to be. Derek Carr, possibly. In February, in the middle of February. And then March 15th, Bam, we're right back in it. The league year begins. Everything becomes official. The cap and all that gets set, and here we go. So um, if it feels like I'm throwing a ton of offseason stuff at you right now, it's because I got to get it in <laughs> before before the actual data starts coming our way. So uh, I'll, I'll be pumping that out this week and next week. Obviously, any questions, if you're looking for something that you haven't seen, at SpyTrek on Twitter, I'm always good for a, a quick tweet, a quick mention, or a quick DM with anything regarding content or data questions. Dan Solman, what are we to make with Aaron Rodgers? From from what perspective? Every option's on the table here. And it was last year. And now there's a contract in the way too. There's a, there's a lot of roadblocks to do any of these options. Walk away, stay, be traded, try to force himself out of the conversation, whatever he's trying to do here. Um, everything has a financial you know, circumstance to a consequence to it. So just in your head, you can tell me what you think is going to happen. You can tell me what you want to see happen, whatever you want to do with this. I mean, just to be clear, I, it's, it's not that I really know one way or, or feel strongly one way or another. I just don't think we're going to find anything out until we need to find out. So like the, this, like, you know, yeah, 
There's him, a lot of hot takes. Meeting, <laughs> yeah, him meeting over the next two days doesn't mean, you know, next week we're going to hear about what happens on the Pat McAfee show. I just think I just think this is this is slow played in recent years, and I don't really see any other reason it's going to change um, this offseason. But you could totally shoot that in the foot if you have if you come at me with specific deadlines that need to be met real quick. Like that's typically when we start finding out um, the nitty gritty details. All I'm saying is like, I don't think I, I, like the, 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 these meetings being held over these two days, I think are just standard end of the year meetings, see where both sides are at. Maybe he does want to retire. Maybe he wants to trade. Maybe the team wants to explore that and move on and move into a t- totally new, you know, era of Packers football. So I, I, this can go a ton of ways. I don't th- I'm not confident it goes any of these directions, or at least I, I, I just specifically can't, you know, see a, a clear path any which way, but um, yeah, I, I, I just don't think we're going to find out until deadlines are, are in our face. Right. Yeah. So I think this is going to be a, the slow burn, like we had in the past where, you know, we, we get smoke and mirrors and mystical conversations or whatever it might be. And this may just be, you know, on par for an Aaron Rodgers off season where, Oh, we're meeting t- today and tomorrow, and it just gets all of the media in a tizzy of w- what is or could happen. And, you know, it, like Dan said, it, it could just be the end of year exit interviews that they're going to have. Mm-hmm. And it might transpire into, you know, I want to be here or I don't want to be here or I'm going to retire or trade me, whatever it might be, you know. But if it's trade conversations, half the teams that could potentially, uh, want to trade for him, don't have a GM or don't have a coach. <laughs> and so that trigger is not going to get pulled right away. So um, I, I think it's more of a, a smoke and mirrors at this point. So, yeah, so Mike, should, should we at least, at least we'll make a prediction because you asked for, I think he stays. I, I mean, I don't know, Scott, what do you think? I, I feel like we skirted around the issue, right? <laughs> <laughs> um. Part of me wants to say he goes, but I don't know if the Mike's going to throw numbers at us. I don't. I don't even know if it's even feasible unless there's you know a certain deadline. Um, but I think he goes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't have any massive deadlines for you. the uh, The fifty nine and a half million dollar option, or fifty eight point three million dollar option, can be exercised all the way up to week one. So the Packers have basically all offseason to kind of dick around with this thing, let's be honest. And that was obviously on purpose <laughs> because of everything you're saying, because they know more than anybody how this guy likes to operate, which is at his own pace and without any other care for any other operation around him. So they gave themselves the entire summer to say, we're going to let you do your thing. And then at the last minute, if we got to decline this thing, we're going to do it. So that you don't, you don't get paid anything to walk away. That's just good business. So in terms of his contract, there's not really anything, you know, too crazy that's that's holding it up. Obviously, there's a June 1st split with dead cap, which would actually benefit the Packers a little bit. I can't imagine, though, that if Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded, it's going to it's going to happen anytime after March 15th. It's going to be a Matthew Stafford type. We hear about this February 20th. And it's the first thing Schefter reports March 15th, 4 p.m. Eastern. But I could be wrong because it's this guy. The other deadline to consider is May 3rd, which is the deadline to exercise Jordan Love's fifth-year option. <laughs> and that's not for nothing because that's 20-some million dollars or eight, you know, maybe 19, 20 million dollars. I don't have that exact number yet based on you know, the, uh, the way that that, that that whole process got changed. But that's not nothing. Uh, my assumption is they're going to decline that. And they're just going to deal with him on a year-to-year basis, which is probably good business as well. But I don't have a real answer for you either. I guess I'm just trying to – I'm not trying to read the, the the jersey swap. And I'm not trying to read the the meetings over the next couple of days as, you know, what's about to happen here. Let's just extrapolate on this two-day meeting process. Because, Dan, you say it's probably pretty common to have exit interviews every year, especially if you're a quarterback and you just kind of debrief the season. What could this meeting be about? 
I think it, I, I mean, I think it's that I, I know there's hype around like there's it's getting some attention that you, you had said, you know, it could it could be more. I just personally think this is just like a natural process and um, they're getting a feel for each other. He wants he probably wants clear either clear ideas on the direction they want to go or at least wants yeah. to be involved in that process. Right. And that's so, exactly what I think it is. Yes. So uh, the reason I, I lean towards, I think he stays, I think if he was going to go last year was the transition year. That was, it was easy to do it. Right. He wasn't, he wasn't financially tied down to begin with. I mean, obviously things changed and he signed, he signed the extension um, or reworked the deal. And, you know, with Adams leaving, et cetera, et cetera, this year, I feel like he would be sort of pulling the rug out from himself. Like they, they really started catching steam down, down the stretch there. Christian Watson kind of proved he's a legit player. A lot of people think Romeo dubs is a good player. Um, you still have Aaron Jones for probably another year. I know he has a potential out this year. Um, you still have Aaron, uh, AJ Dillon on a cheap rookie contract. So there's pieces around him that defense is still going to be very good. I feel like if he was going to leave, like if he was going to be the one to pull the plug on the relationship, it seemed like last year was, it was trending that direction last year where he seemed unhappy. Things were changing around him. This is the year where I think there could be some continuity here from this year to next year, um, where like if he does want to run it back or stay another year and try, you know, who knows what his long term intentions are. It's de it definitely seems year to year now, even if he were to end up in a new market. Um, but specifically in Green Bay, it's year to year. I don't really know if there's a reason for him to leave this offseason. I, I think there's pieces around him that they could could be a feasible team next year. So. Scott, do you agree, or do you think a trade is more likely right now? Well, looking at the numbers on his page here, I mean, if he if it's yeah, trade, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a trade, it's mostly got to be a post six one trade. No, they'll take the forty million on. That's okay. nothing. Matt Ryan yeah. just just you know just lived that life with yeah. Him. They'll take yeah. It on. You're, yeah, you're right. And, the and cap's going to two twenty five. Yeah, yeah. Forty point three is not going to shy them away from getting multiple draft assets. For 2023, so, you know, I, I, I'll push back on what Dan said a little bit of, you know, may, maybe he wants to see or be included in the direction of the team, but he's been wanting that forever. And they go into the draft and then they draft guys that aren't even going to help him, or at least he said he's wanted, you know, wide receivers or skill weapons. And it seems like at every turn, it's something different with. Mm -hmm. with Rodgers and the Green Bay relationship. So I have a hard time believing that he's going to go in there and be like, all right, this year I really want you to work with me and get X, Y, and Z in the draft or in these free agents. And, you know, it, it, it's just going to be more of the same, I have a feeling. So if in my mind, if it's going to be that, then you go in and you say, all right, what, where, where can you trade me to? What, what I don't care what you get for me. Just get me out of here, and I want to go somewhere else, uh, just for new scenery. But you know, I could be completely wrong. All right, I'm gonna give because I don't want to do 40 minutes on this because we do 40 minutes every two weeks on this. But um, I I think these meetings are extremely specific and probably not uncommon. I know he does a lot of outward blaming. I mean, he blamed the wide receivers three weeks ago, pretty much out loud. You know, none of this was my fault. He said that he basically said that in front of a microphone three weeks ago. Um, and he said this about the organization quite a bit. So I, you can understand why they're not, you know, overjoyed to sit down and say, who should we draft now, Aaron? But this time I think they are. I, I really do think that this is the one time because it is a swan song. This is going to be it. If it happens, this is 100% going to be it. 2023. And Randall Cobb is a free agent. Alan Lazard is a free agent. Robert Tunyon is a free agent. David Bakhtiari absolutely can't be brought back at his price. He can't stay healthy. That's a big one. That's maybe his best friend and left tackle for you know the last decade. Aaron Jones is absolutely a cut candidate, in my opinion, because he's a running back and because he's shown some decline here. And A.J. Dillon is on his, entering a contract year. The first question he's asking is, what are we doing with those five players right there? <laughs> because because if none of these guys are back or you don't have a viable option to get, get me a you know a replacement, if it's just going to be we're going to go into the third round and find another wide receiver, 
that's probably not going to make him super happy right now because this is it. This is the one year. If he doesn't like the answers that are given to him, and by the way, I'm not sure he's going to because it isn't in the best business interests of the Packers to just continue to push the gas pedal all the way down right now on some of those players. Um, and it's not a good wide receiver free agent market, and it's not a good tight end free agent market, and it's a great running back market, but, I mean, you could you could get by with A.J. Dillon for a full season if you had to, and the Packers might do that. Um, I think that he walks away. I don't think he wants to be traded. I don't think he wants to go through the chance that he could be Russell Wilson somewhere. And that's a real chance. I mean, I mean, being being Tom Brady and Matt Stafford is probably like 10%. There's like a 10% chance that happens, even though we just saw it in back-to-back seasons. I think the Russell Wilson situation is way more common. It's going to be, you know, way more popular with guys trying to switch franchises in the twilight of their career and just be the one missing piece that takes the scene to the Super Bowl. So I think there's general concern about him. I think even though, you know, he can be a monster personality wise, I think sticking with the Packers from A to Z is important to him. Uh, It's rare. It's going to become even more rare as we get into more, you know, more and more of this free agent process. So I think he needs to hear a couple of things or needs to have the ability to recommend a couple of things today and tomorrow in these meetings. And those answers are really important to him playing football in 2023. One more question. Let's go around the room. Do the Packers want him back in 2023? (laughs) I I think it's a super, super valid question. Uh, I mean, it, I would say the major hurdle is the whole dead money situation, but like you say, they would eat it. It would just be like a natural retirement retirement or not either way or retirement or trade. It's the same dead money. And uh, they could finagle that with a post six one and make it actually work for them a little better. Dan it's, it's $60 million cash and it's not playing Jordan love. Those are the two, you know, kind of thresholds that they have to deal with right now. If this guy says, I want to be back for 2023. I think they they, should, they, should they want the former or the latter there? (laughs) I think based on what I've seen, I think they'd rather have Aaron Rodgers for one more year. I don't think they're sold on the Jordan love situation. Yeah. Um, But you know, with Rodgers, we, we saw towards the end of the season, what that team could be now that they have some chemistry with the wide receivers, yeah. you know, it, they really didn't have that off season because of, you know, the whole contract situation and everything else going on. So now that they have sort of a report, if you can bring them back for one more year, you might catch that lightning in a bottle right out of the gate. And then, especially if you can bring in the pieces that are needed in free agency mm-hmm. and then in fill the rest in with, draft pieces so i'm gonna go with the packers would rather have him for the one more year and then run with jordan love dan i have no i have no i truly have no idea how to answer this i'll try and do it through the fan perspective if i'm a fan i i think i'm hoping he retires um sorry maybe that's not the best way to put it the, the smart, probably the most ideal thing for that organization moving forward is for him to retire. If like as a fan, I wouldn't want to see him playing on another team. So from that perspective, I would want to see him retire. But in theory, as we just talked this out, I kind of said, well, he comes back because of the situation around it, around him as Mike lays it out. This is probably a good year to kind of pull back and. <laughs> move on from Aaron Jones and let your aging defense just kind of expire and not try to like add pieces to it and not chase Brandon cooks or um, somebody like that. You know, like I, I, I know I just made a case for some of the wide receivers around them, but it, this really is an aging team um, with a, with like a, a kind of like a purgatory phase here. So I sort of talked myself around on that, um, that I think like, from like a fan who wouldn't want to see him playing for a different team after this whole career to go somewhere else for one year, you know, I wouldn't want to see that. So as like from the other side of things, I, I would just want him to retire. I think. 
Okay. I think uh, I have to break the tie then. <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't, I, I I don't have that. an answer. I, I don't have an answer. Um, Scott, my answer to you is this. If Jordan Love could play football, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have $150 million. Right I, I was just going to say, yes. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, why sign that extension last year? To- well, he won the MVP back-to-back years. Right. They, but got, if, they got bullied into it by really, really amazing play. But if and, Jordan Love was took- that next, the the next yeah. uh, Andrew Luck, per yeah. se, you know, similar even to Matt Pete, Castle. All he had to be is Matt Castle, right? And, right. Uh, and I don't so, think he's even that because he hasn't been traded and he hasn't been given the key, the keys to this franchise. Now, it's unique because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. And and I understand the, the tie to the franchise. And like I said, he was back-to-back MVPs 18 months ago. So um, they got bullied into that contract a little bit. But I still think that the writing is on the wall that Jordan Love can't play football at, at a number one level. I, I don't have much of a sample size to view that from. I'm just reading the contracts, literally, literally reading the contracts to say, all right, not only did they, it, because they could have just brought back Aaron Rodgers on one year and said, look, at we, we, we think we can give this one more year, one more go. We're going to give you one for 50. And then we're going to give the keys to Jordan Love from there. That probably would have made the most business sense for everybody, <laughs> you know? And we'd have nothing to talk about right now. Rodgers would be an expend, you know, a pending free agent. He could resign an extension. He could walk away. There'd be nothing attached to him at the hip. But he didn't. He signed for three years. Um, and you can say it's for cap purposes. Gets garbage. There's void years for that. So I, I don't know if there is a viable plan B for the Packers. And they are probably too good to tank. You know, and there's certainly four or five contracts you can get rid of right now. But they're still too good to tank. So I'm going to break the tie and say that I want him to, the Packers should want him to come back for one more year. And it's one year, $60 million, fully guaranteed, and then get the hell out of here. <laughs> but Dan, to your point, I think your first point was the best point. Uh, there's, there's like a 51% chance that this team wins the division next year still. Right? I mean, the Minnesota Vikings, we know how in, unstable that roster is despite 12 wins. And the Lions are going to need a lot defensively to become a 10, 12 win team. A lot. So this might be the second best, maybe the first best team in this division in 2023 if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback and can still throw the ball accurately 35, 40 yards. So I I think it's worth it for one more shot. I think the Packers should want it for one more year. But if you, uh, you know, gunned ahead, do they regret that contract? The way it is, the structure, the way the cash flow runs? Probably. I think they got bullied into it a little bit here and they're dealing with it, but I guess it's a happy accident. Let me put you on the spot a little bit here. What, how, how does this play out? Let's say hypothetically Rodgers is not back, whether he's traded or retires. Jordan love plays on his fifth year deal. They pick that up. He's, Mm -hmm. he's okay. In 2023. What, what is, what, so he's what actually got he's actually got one more year, one for two point three, and then the fifth year option. But they have to gotcha. decide on they, that. They, they have, have to decide to on that decision. option right now. Yeah. Right. So you okay. get a, you get two full years of him if you say yes to that fifth year option. Basically, he becomes Sam Darnold, Dan. And uh, right. And so it, then you're hoping for a small bridge deal, or that he's mm-hmm. so good that you have to franchise tag him. Is that is that probably right in 2024? That's right. That's right. He becomes, you know, Daniel Jones at that point. He becomes all those all those quarterbacks that kind of got thrown into the middle of the pot a little bit. But how how, how you can't to me right now you can't lock in twenty million dollars on Jordan Love. It just makes no sense to do it, especially since you're going to be overpaying for Rodgers this year, as as much as you're going to do it. But does Jordan Love have trade value right now because of the unknown? Like if Tennessee called and said. You know, we got we got to do something. We can't bring Tannehill back here, and Malik Willis is a bag of you know a bag of garbage. We want to take a chance that Jordan Love can play some kind of football. Does he have value? It's really hard, right? It is because <laughs> of the small sample size that we've actually seen of him. Or yeah. is that is there more to it? Can he go to a team that is actually going to you know? 
the Packers are developing him, but maybe it's a it just needs a different situation. Maybe, maybe the whole Aaron Rodgers situation is, puts a damper mentally on him, and he just needs a fresh start completely. So uh, the there's always is nobody wants to wait. Nobody no. wants to take three years to develop anybody anymore, and, and rightfully so. You can just go back to the draft every year if you want well, to. Well, so. and, and that's my what I was going to say. At least when I was when you were talking, I was thinking, you know, why would they pick up that option when? The kids that are coming out of college are getting better and better every year. You yeah. can probably find someone, if not in the first round, and you have other fish to fry. I mean, you could probably find someone in the second, third, fourth round. I mean, look at obviously it's a, a, to a, a certain extent an anomaly that Brock Purdy is doing what he's doing, but th it just goes to show that you take as many chances at a quarterback in the draft as you can, and you might find that one lightning in a bottle. So why? Why strap yourself to Jordan Love at twenty million when you're not sold on him? When you can just go into this draft or even next draft, depending on how yeah. where your standings are. You you don't know where your standings are going to be. You could have a massive amount of injuries and end up being a top three team. So I, I think if you're the Packers, you you don't. Um, can I give you one more option? Because you just you just made me think of it. Aaron Rodgers doesn't retire. The Packers don't want him back. You blow it all up, right? And you tank for Caleb Williams. I mean, you blow the hell. You you tell the fan yeah. base, one hundred. We've got we've got we've got a plan. We're, we're we're ripping this thing all the way down. I mean, completely. Jair Alexander, the works. We're getting rid of everybody, and we're going to be the worst team in football for Caleb Williams. I, I, th that's Plan B here, right? To me, it's not Jordan Love. It's that. It's it's. Let's start this thing all the way over. Let's trade this guy to the Raiders. Let's not play Jordan Love, or maybe let's play him. Maybe that'll help us lose games. But we're trading or, or releasing everybody that we can release without getting in trouble from the league. I, I think that's got to be Plan B because that's the best business move, right? Instead of locking in Jordan Love, it's locking in nobody and and taking one of those two great quarterbacks. Who's the other kid? The kid from Kentucky. Or North Carolina, right? North Carolina. Yeah, th th there's some serious, serious prospects coming in 2024. So uh, I think that's probably where this thing ends up. It's either he's Rodgers is back for one year and the Packers accept it and move on and they they decline Jordan Love or Rodgers retires or is traded, obviously, and they completely blow it up and tank, which is not a Packers thing to do, but I, isn't that the right play here? <clears throat> That's sort of what I was trying to get at earlier when I said, if I'm a fan, I don't want him back. I meant if he's not back with my team, the alternative I want is him retiring, not going somewhere else. Otherwise, yes, come back one more year. Let's let's have one more shot at it. You finish the years of Packer thing. Next year is the better year to kind of pull back, start over, try and tank or rebuild whatever you want to call it and go from there but i mean i don't think this is even I, listen i don't think this is going to happen i don't think jordan love is any good but <laughs> it, could could he be this next year's 2022 to a tag of iowa like yeah Coming into last year, nobody knew – coming into this season, nobody knew what Tua was. People were way down on him. You could get him free in dynasty-type football drafts. Um, no one knew what he was before Mike McDaniel. New coach, new alpha wide receiver comes in, and he looks like a competent quarterback. Now, I, I, I get the the concussion issues. There's, there's more to oh, the yeah. story here. But, like, Jordan Love, like, maybe he's – competent next year and we're kind of like whoa we totally underrated him now i, I think he would I, I agree with you the deal wouldn't have been constructed the way it was if jordan love was any good but it's at least on the table so i, I mean there's a there's a non-zero chance that he gets thrust into action next year and we're like a little bit surprised um by by his competency i'll just i'll just leave it at that <clears throat> Okay, we've learned nothing. Good stuff, guys. I, I don't. I don't know what point. I, I <laughs> we'll find out the actual answers in about eight weeks when Aaron Rodgers is ready to tell us. But it could be. It could be tomorrow. But maybe not. We know nothing. Good stuff, guys. Thanks. It appears the Carlos Correa saga has come to its conclusion, and it's not what we expected. The Mets made a couple of offers late down the stretch here. 
Correa didn't bite. Scott Boris didn't bite. And in come the Minnesota Twins, the team he opted out from in November. So circle on back. Here's the breakdown, or at least the timeline as I have it in front of me. Almost exactly a month ago, the San Francisco Giants offered this guy 13 years, $350 million. Um, within a week, we knew there was trouble, and the Giants had officially pulled their offer on the 21st of December. Simultaneously, and certainly Boris was doing his work, the Mets came swooping in with 12 years, $315 million. I told you that night on this show, this thing is not done because whatever the Giants just saw, the Mets have not seen yet. The holiday, It was the holiday week. There was going to take some time to sort this thing out. And when we got back, right around the new year, everything started to ramp back up in terms of we don't like what we see. We've got to change this deal. There's no way it's 315 off the top with no restrictions. And uh, they've been hammering something out for a good week here behind the scenes, multiple offers. And we just found out that yesterday an offer was made, which was six years, 157.5 fully guaranteed. And then another six years, 157.5 non-guaranteed triggers, vestings, things like that, which we may find out at some point, but I don't know what they are now. My guess is uh, because of where we ended up, six years, two hundred million, with four for seventy available uh, vesting wise from Minnesota. That's what happened today. My guess is because he left so much on the table, right? The Mets offered him a non guaranteed six for one fifty seven point five. That's certainly more than you know, ten years and two seventy that he can make with the Minnesota Twins. When you combine the 12 for 315 that was offered, half guaranteed from the Mets, my guess is the Mets made it pretty darn hard for those last six years to vest with whatever those semantics look like. And instead of wanting to deal with that on a year-to-year basis when he's 32, 31 years old and uh, trying to lock in the, the twilight of his career, possibly with a bad ankle, this was the easier, safer, more secure choice. He goes back to Minnesota where he just played a full year. It's a heavily decreasing contract, as you might imagine, except for that's not very common in baseball. In fact, this is the most aggressively decreasing contact contract of this size that I've ever seen. Um, you know, many people say, why aren't there more of these, especially with contracts that are signed to age 41? I guess it's possible we start seeing stuff like that. But for now, this is it. I mean, this is injury related. So he makes 36 million flat for the next three seasons, three for 108, um, which is, by the way, slightly more than the than the 35.1 he was going to make this and next year on that original Twins deal. So he, he locks in a little bit more, certainly more for the next three seasons. And then it starts to go down. So it's 36, 36, 36, 31, 5, 35, and 30. That's how the guaranteed portion of this contract works. If and when things vest, and I'll get to how in a second, we go down to 25 million in 2029, age 34. 20 million, age 35. 15 million age 36 and 10 million age 37. That's how this thing finishes. That's how those non-guaranteed years look. Um, here's how they vest and it's year to year. So in 2028, when he's age 33, making $30 million, if he hits 575 plate appearances, the 25 million fully vests. If he's top five MVP, if he wins a silver slugger, if he's the LSC, LCS MVP, if these are the World Series MVP, any one of those things, right? Plate appearances, some sort of MVP, or a silver slugger award. If he's any of those things, the next season locks in. But it's got to happen the year prior, and it's year to year from 2029 through 2032. So it's not unattainable. And in fact, the plate appearances get smaller as we go. So it's 575 plate appearances in 2028, then 550 in 2029, 525 in 2030, 502 in 2031. So everything's kind of set up for him to do, to hit this, which is probably exactly opposite of what the Mets were had their structure. Now, way more money in the Mets, Mets offer, but also probably way less ability for him to get there if he's a human being and starts to break down at age 34 or 35 and or that ankle gives. So I give the guy credit. 
Um, he's definitely leaving money on the table here. And I'm sure there's other award bonuses and such built into this to make some back. He does get a full no trade clause, which, boy, everybody with worth a damn has gotten this offseason. And the last thing is this. Um, the, the Twins don't just get to walk away from this guy if they don't want to. So let's just say it is 2028 and he suffers an injury and he's going to miss half the season. The contract's not just going to go away. The, anything that doesn't vest automatically converts to a club option. So let's say something goes wrong and Correa doesn't hit the 575 plate appearances in 2028. So that 25 million is up in the air. It's all on the twins to say yes or no at that point. They can they can exercise it. It's a one-year $25 million contract from that for them. They bring him back, try to bring him back to full health and see if they can continue on from there. Because obviously there's a lot of value in some of those late years, if and when the guy can still play ball, even if it's just a DH. So important point there that you know this thing does, doesn't just fall off after six years if the twins don't want it to. They do have the ability to control him for 10 full seasons here. Uh, something they don't get to do with a lot of players being the Minnesota Twins. That's just a fact in this league. So uh, can't believe it's here. I can't believe it was even in the Mets' hand in the first place because the Giants were far and away the favorite to get this guy. And uh, when everything fell through, you knew it was serious. So um, we'll see how, how, this, uh, how this leg, how this ankle, how this fibula holds up for Carlos Correa. But... He's got himself $200 million fully guaranteed no matter what. That's what we know. And the rest is somewhat complicated, but it could be a hell of a lot worse. All right, good stuff from the guys. Always good to have baseball contracts in our life. Hopefully there's a few more here before we get to the lull before pitchers and catchers report. We're about a month away, so still some names out there that need to sign. A couple of trades that could happen, but this is probably the last big contract to talk about Major League Baseball-wise. But we'll do a review, a recap, some team spending, all that good stuff. Um, just before the NFL stuff gets crazy, even though who knows with Aaron Rodgers. That might be uh, another six weeks of drama and saga as he strings along the what-ifs. And there's plenty of what-ifs. There's a few quarterback controversies like this, not just Rodgers. But we'll dive into more of that soon on the next edition of the Spot Trip Podcast.